Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative Podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Derek Hatch, and let's get started. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody out there? I couldn't resist. I'm sorry, man. You did the signature, man. I did the signature. Oh, man. If you did it now, listen, I can't do it. Oh, no. Okay. I'm sorry. We'll start over. Now, you... Yo, 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 yo. Yes. Luther. Yes, that's right. We got Luther Menard in the (laughs) house for a very, very special episode of All Things Narrative because this episode is called Life in the Gray. And for many of you, I know, right? For many of you out there who maybe have followed my podcast adventures over the years, you're thinking, wait, what is this? Life in the gray, all things narrative. Is this a flashback? Was this a flashback? Worlds are colliding here. And that is because for those of you who don't know, Life in the Gray was my former podcast with my former co-host, Luther Menard. And now we are back in action. To, uh, To be fair, we do get together, you know, Pretty right. often, right? As much as we can with our schedules. The busyness of life, and, we make it Right. Work. But we, we do get together still, but we haven't recorded a podcast in at least a couple of years. So mm. figured this would be a good time to just get back together and kind of reminisce and take a trip down memory lane. Wow, wow. So we're going back. We're taking a little, a little flashback here. We're we going. are. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Now, not only do I have the All Things Narrative podcast, but Luther has a podcast as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you can find us over there at YouTube, on YouTube, at The Transfigured Life. It mm. is, you know what's crazy? That uh, podcast slash YouTube channel is very much a reflection of what we used to do mm. with Life in the Gray. Yeah. Just an Orthodox Christian version of it, you know? Yeah. No, I could, to- I could totally see that, though. I yeah, could totally could see, see that. that. Yeah. One, well, if you check out his YouTube, subscribe on there. He His channel's doing really well. Thanks, I'm man. really, really... like YouTube is probably one of my weaker platforms for mm. the podcast. So, like, I have, you know, lots of goals to get mm. to where I'm at. With you guys, no, you'll because it. you guys are crushing it on YouTube. No, no, so. thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for thanks for the shout out on your your uh, podcast here, and thanks for yeah. I mean, I was, I was it's it's been growing slowly, uh, uh, nice and steady over there on on YouTube. It's been fun. I'm doing it there with uh, Father Jonathan. He is a priest over there in New York City mm. has an interesting perspective. Yeah. You know, he's like the older version of you. <laughs> really? In a sense. I know you both are very creative. Uh he's very down to earth. You're someone that I would find is down to earth. But I just like that he's willing to go there. And yeah. you're that I really enjoy listening to him. So we, <laughs> yeah. we probably would get along fantastically. Yeah, for sure. So what we're gonna do today we're going to, it's almost going to be a little bit of narrative therapy-ish. Okay. So one of the things that we do in narrative practices is I take clients uh, basically through their life story. Now that life story, yes, there is a macro life story, but as you probably heard on other episodes here, there's lots of different narratives that make up our, our lives. Mm. And so we can, what we can do is we can trace a narrative through your life and have a conversation about it. It could be relationships. It could be about um, your history of learning a, a particular skill. It could be 
uh, your career, and it could be like what we're going to talk about today, your faith journey, and specifically what that looked like through the years that we were doing this podcast. Mm. And so we're going to kind of go back and take a trip through life in the gray from its inception all the way to when we finished it and what brought us to this moment here today. And we're actually going to play, and you'll be able to hear um, some old clips from the podcast. Mm. And we're going to just kind of listen and kind of comment and converse about them and talk about, you know, kind of where we were at at the time and how that it may be a similar or different to where we are now. Wow. Um, but we're just going to have some fun with this, you Let's know? Let's do it, man. And so... Yeah, uh, just thank you guys all again for being here for this ride. And we're just going to have a little Life in the Great reunion. And so let's get into it. Wow, wow. So I'm here for an experience. This is going to be an experience, man. For let's sure. Let's go. Let's drive. <laughs> when things aren't black or white, we live our life in the great. Join us in conversing about God, church, and culture. My name is Derek. And this is Luther. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the first episode of the Life in the Gray podcast. My name is Derek. And I'm Luther. How's it going, bro? I'm doing well. I'm good. I'm just happy to be here. Um, Derek and I talked about this for a while. Super excited. Um, Finally, the conversations that we have together, we finally get to bring it, you know, to... To the to the screen, so we're excited about that. All right, so there it was. Wow, like the first twenty <laughs> seconds or so of life in the gray. We were puppies, man. We man, sound like puppies, right? I know. I still got that little uh, stumble I do where I chat a little bit, and I'm like, uh, well, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, you know that's crazy, but no, that that's wow. That's when we were. And young. I sound like I'm twelve or something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we were what like twenty five when that popped. How old um, were we? Yeah, that has to be right. At least I was, that was the year Addie was born. So yeah, I was 25. Wow. So that means you were probably what, 23, 24, I mean, somewhere yeah, around something there. Like that. Now we're, yeah. we're pushing 30. You know, now I'm yeah. 31. So I've crossed over. Sheesh. Crazy, right? Wow. So flashback to 2017, early 2017. Mm. Should I close my eyes for this? No. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in early 2017, you and I had both been working at a nonprofit for a year and a half. We mm. started at the same time and we met each other. Our first days were both at this same. staff retreat yeah. in the summer, right? Over that year and a half, we started to have a lot of conversations just about life, but also about our faith and theology and the church, right? Right. And we had about a good solid maybe, what was it, maybe a year or so where we would just like jokingly say, man, we should record these and make a podcast, right? Right, right. And then one day, I don't know what compelled us to do it, but I think you guys were over at our house. We had just bought this house Mm. and we just sat around the dinner table and all these ideas were coming for like names and what it could be like and Oh man, do you remember some of the names that we came up with? I remember I could only think of one. Which one? So I know I'm so glad we didn't call it this. Uh-huh. Right? But I remember crackers and juice. Crackers and juice, yes. Was was something that we were which, throwing out which as a did not- become a real podcast. Right. I know it was like something that was already made. But 
I know that we were throwing that around not because like we thought it was a fire name, mm-hmm. but we were, you know, it was a little bit of like sarcasm there. Yeah, tongue in cheek, right? Yeah, tongue in cheek for sure. So we ended up going with Life in the Gray, which I th- recall Embodied, that yeah. was one of our first ideas, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit when we said Life in the Gray, um, what do we kind of mean by that? And why did we decide to call it that? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great question. So I think a huge part of us landing on life in the gray Mm -hmm. was the nature of the things that we were talking about. Yeah. And Derek and myself, something that was interesting about us is we saw things in a way that not everybody would see it the same way. You know, like you, you have someone that's maybe looking at, uh, you know, a situation that's playing right before their eyes and everyone's like, oh, okay, that's fine. But we were asking the questions of, well, why is it that way? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why are we doing it that way? Yeah. How did it become what it became? Mm. So I think when we would sit and joke around and talk about, you know, this potential podcast, Mm -hmm. part of that was birthed out of this idea of dissatisfaction with certain things in culture mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. curiosity about why we, uh, you know, accept certain norms and traditions of right. uh, things like that. And so it was just appropriate that it would be called life in the gray because we didn't always see things as black, black and white. And white exactly. <laughs> you know, in fact, that actually made it into our tagline here. Right. So after talking about this idea of life in the gray, I think, um, I don't know what our wives were doing, but I remember it, it was just you and I were just here sitting at the table. Right. And I just brought my laptop over. I took out GarageBand. We had no microphones, no nothing. Right. And we just And went. we just started <laughs> recording. Yeah. And I think we were trying to do video as well. We did a few episodes that day, I remember. Right. But we just went for it. And so- Man, gonna, are you sure you want to do this? This is like showing baby pictures. <laughs> <laughs> like this is what 100%. Was, right, right. This is like showing baby pictures. This was his first steps. And- yep. Yeah. So our very first episode ever- was where was God during Hurricane Irma? Oh my goodness. I can't believe we even did an episode on that. Yeah, that was like right after Hurricane Irma happened. Right. Uh, that was like right after my daughter was born and I had like this early life crisis of let's start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Why did we make that the first one? <laughs> I, I, I think mean, I just, think we just needed to get something out there. Just and have something. We we're like, let's tackle suffering like right off the bat. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, super <laughs> light topic to start <laughs> off on. You know, we we had several episodes that season one that definitely caught people's attention, especially with we were working because at this point the podcast wasn't released um, on any wider platform. We were putting it up on like SoundCloud or something like that. Right, right. And if we had like. 10 downloads, we were excited. Like, we were like, oh my gosh, <laughs> right? 10 people heard this. And, uh, so, and we were super ecstatic when someone outside of the US would, would listen. Right, right. Like someone from Africa just heard us. Yeah, yep, yep. Because most of, most of the people who were listening were just people we worked with. Right. And we, I mean, we had some cheeky titles. We had Can I Love God and Hate the Church? Um, our altar calls biblical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would Jesus own a rifle? Uh, with Proverb Newsom, who's been on this podcast before, actually. So one episode, though, that a lot of people came back to, and probably like the first episode that people 
that I recall people actually started talking about was, has the church ruined generosity? AKA what we dubbed it as the tithing episode. Mm, I remember that. Yeah. So I'm going to play a little clip here uh, from what I would dub as my first rant that I went (laughs) on in the podcast. Yeah. And so I I really don't know if I want to hear this right now, but... um, just, let's it, just man. take a peek to see, uh, see where I'm at in 2017. Here we go. Oh, I can't wait. And if we're people that um, really truly believe in the gospel, we don't give out a compulsion either. And that's why it just irks me when you walk into a church and you look at your seat. Yeah. Let's say your first time at this church. You look at the seat and what's in the seat? A tithing envelope. Way to... Way to freaking welcome you to the church. Welcome <laughs> to our freaking church. Give us some money. Like, it just yeah. feels so wrong. And I feel well, like for millennials, for our generation, bro, like that kind of junk's just got to go. Like, that's just not going to fly with us. I'm sorry. Yo, that's still <laughs> hilarious today. I'm so embarrassed by that. Welcome to our freaking church you might like bro you were cussing in your heart through that oh yeah oh my gosh how do you how do you still feel about do you still kind of have tithing envelopes and stuff so it's interesting um i picked this because this was a rant that people brought up a lot this episode right in the in the beginning in our early episodes this is one and i think out of all our episodes in the first season this had the most downloads Mm. was that episode so i think what was interesting was like there were a lot of stories at the time about scandals going on in churches with giving, right? Right. I personally have seen certain questionable giving things and the whole idea of how churches talk about tithing, I still think there's a lot of things that are really sketchy wrong with that. I mean, from televangelists like on TBN um, to just right. your local church, right? And just the way that, like, I do think it is a very misunderstood concept in the church. It's interesting though, because like I have a business and so it's like, I understand, at least I would hope that having a business now, I understand money a bit more and I've worked deeper in nonprofits than I was then. So I understand like kind of more like how money works and the necessity of asking for, you know, like stating, you know, a price, like if for a business, right. Or a nonprofit, like being upfront about, yeah, here's what we need to fund this. Right. So there is like some understanding I have of churches when it comes to giving, but I do think it is easily what money and all that is one of the most abused things in the church. Um, yeah. W- would you agree? W- where are you at on, on all that? Yeah, no, I think the, the nature of the rant at the time was like necessary yeah. just cuz like i mean like you said you look at and there's obviously like this doesn't classify you know everyone doesn't fall into this crazy of course right? of course you know there is this is like a huge generalization but when you see stuff you know the extreme versions like what you see on tv yeah where it's like a guy is like literally on stage like Dancing on money. Woohoo! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that's a real thing. Like, Clefful Dollar, you can look yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or having to justify why they need a private jet or something mm-hmm. like that. Those are the extreme views. Um, something but, is, and, that, and I think what really bothered me, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I think what really bothered me at the time was that that's what the world sees. Right. Like, for Christianity, right? And that's just kind of how they define it. So they think everybody is 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 doing that or like that. When yeah, or they really think the like, oh, all churches are just after money and right. and all that stuff. 
Yeah. But I mean, on the day to day, I'm glad you have a grounded perspective because, I mean, you know, churches do have bills to, you know, they yeah. have to run the lights and things like that. Um, so, no, that part's understandable. But I do, you know, get like if you do come to the church for the first time, you're seeing a tithing envelope. Mm. You know, it could it could probably like send a certain message. Right. Yeah. I still you know? like to this day, like in terms of like passing a plate or the tithing envelope. Like if I had a church, that's not how I would do it. I still think like, um, I mean, we do this not to brag on it, but we do this at my church where it's just essentially like, you know, if you want to give, then great give, you know, we have a place in the back you can give and you can give on, on the app, but we're not like gonna hold something to you and say, all right. You know what I mean? When somebody's passing something to you and you just feel compelled and yeah. it, it's just some, you know. I, and, some, I, and sometimes that could just be on the person. Like I know that yeah. if I visit a place and, uh, you know, the plate is passed or something like that. And let, let's say like, hey, my wallet's in the car or I only carry card. <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's like, oh, sorry. You know, I, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think on like to get on a deeper level with this as right. well, I think what if you go back through our episodes, where you see will end up is really fascinating when you see kind of all the steps it took to get there, right? Right, oh, the building Because the I feel blocks. like for me, there was a lot of tension that was building mm. in terms of like, do I even want this anymore? Do I even want to be a Christian anymore, right? And you see right. with every progressive season that that tension is building more and more where I'm like trying to hold on, but I don't know if I want to anymore. You know what? It's crazy that you said that. I think life in the grave for us, in ways, it was therapeutic. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because we got to air out the, the things that we were seeing and experiencing, mm-hmm. but it it led us somewhere. Yeah, and I I think even for people around our lives, or even whoever's listening to this episode, like there has to be a level of like processing your journey. Mm-hmm. You have to. Yeah. You can't miss that step because right. if you don't, you'll you might in, in a decade from now go through a life crisis. Yeah. But if you're not expressing the process of where you are, mm-hmm. you're you're well, missing out. Well, in the experiment yeah. with life in the gray was we were essentially processing out loud publicly, right? Which did give a lot of people that sense of resonance with their lives. I think that's why a lot of people listen to Life in the Gray yeah, like, was that too. they heard us processing. They're like, oh yeah, you're doing it publicly. Thank you for doing it. There are a lot of people who would express like, thank you. Remember the guy like who emailed us and was right. like, I'm driving through like the Alps in Switzerland, blasting your podcast and wow. thanking God for it. Right? So it was just like, there were some wild things that people would sure. write in and say, but you you had a journey as well. And so, again, I've been going back to these episodes and it's like my journey and your journey aren't really surprising um, (laughs) when you get to where it landed because I feel like the seeds are planted. Did you see it going that way? Like as you listen I want to play a clip now uh, of one of your rants. Okay. Um, And do you think that rant kind of shows you seeds and elements of where it made me land? I I think... yeah, I, I want you to hear this, all right? Okay. This is a rant that we we brought up a lot before and after this episode, and it was this whole idea of fun church. Mm. Oh, I see where you're going. Welcome to fun church, right? <laughs> 
So as I've been going through these episodes these past few weeks, you've articulated essentially this in so many episodes mm. uh, in small ways and in large ways. So I'm going to go ahead and play one of those clips from the Fun Church episode mm. um, just to give an idea of, I think, some of the seeds of where your journey was, was going. Hmm. Let's hear it. And so when we talk about this idea of fun church, Derek, mm-hmm. we have to probably try to define the, the term fun, mm-hmm. you know? And so if, if, the, if the idea of fun for fun church is this idea of, you know, how, like this consumer mentality, mm-hmm. how I can be served, yeah. what would be most appealing to me and my interests, then I disagree with fun church completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it ever gets manipulative, mm-hmm. where it's just like we're we're doing these things because we think it attracts the seeker friendly person or it attracts um, just the outside world, it's like we it then begins to push the question: What culture? What are we? Who do we identify with? And and what kind of agenda are we trying to push forward? Mm-hmm. Wow! How <laughs> is it hearing that? Yeah, so I was like, wow, I said that. Um, so I do, it's, it's coming back to me. So the, the backstory behind that episode, if I remember correctly, Mm -hmm. is with this organization, I took a bunch of kids to, (laughs) to some like youth event Mm -hmm. and I forget what was happening on stage. Um, man, I like fog machines. Yeah. There's strobe lights, strobe lights, fog machine, you know, kids playing on stage, people running at church Mm -hmm. and it was, it was like a clown show. You know, <laughs> if I'm just just being honest. Um, well, because it was all hype. You, you, I think one of the things you said is something along the lines of like it was hype and little substance. Yeah. And uh, and so I re- kind of remember that's kind of what led more to me talking about Fun Church and the rant where we when we got there. But it's crazy because at that time, like Orthodox Christianity or anything like that was not even a concept. <laughs> mm, yeah. Like that would never have been like at that time. That was I was not ready for that time. Right, sure. You know, but just going back to the idea of fun church, I could see how that seed like I wanted something. I've always wanted something real and yeah. ancient mm. and not always changing with the times and the seasons. Yeah. And that's something I didn't like about what was what seemed like in some spaces to be this fun church kind of mentality. So um, even around that time when we recorded the episode, I know of a church Mm. that was having like, like movie night things. Mm -hmm. It's hard to explain. Yeah. 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 I know what you're talking about. Yeah. There's like, you watch this big screen movie Mm -hmm. and um, like, that just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like I get it. Like you want to be relevant and things like that. And mm-hmm. I think there's a place for like being relevant, reaching the culture and things yeah. like that. But like when when sermons become more about like like I don't know Barbie because that's what's relevant. Sure. Uh, right what, now, is what's talking, out? Yeah. yeah. You know, people. Pre- there's so many churches preaching about Barbie and less about like the gospel of Barbie. Yeah. Like the Sermon on the Mount. Like it's just. Repent, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it just makes you like scratch your head. Like, is it, is it for, like, what? Are, who are we? Competing? Who's it for? Yeah. yeah, who's it for? Totally. You know, so. Yeah, and it's like, what did you think about that fun church? It's interesting because it's it's important to just bring up at this point that 
Luther and I at this point in our journey are what we would call professional Christians. In other words, where you're paid money um, to essentially like do the things that Christians do, you know, like disciple, teach. At that time. Um, at that time. Yeah, 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 absolutely, right? So there's this... It was risky business to do what we were doing. Oh, yeah. We yeah. were definitely dancing on the the edge there. Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely know there's people who are listening that were like, I don't know about this whole life in the gray thing. But it's it's fascinating to look back on because it's like, I think we both have had more experience in the, since then. And I think like there's core parts of these convictions that we still hold to. And I think, like I know for me, for example, like, I'm more open to seeing how churches can creatively engage people, right? Mm -hmm. I think as long as we're not watering down what's at the heart of what we as Christians are supposed to do, you know? Mm. If we say we're gonna love people, let's actually love people. Let's not just give them like a nice thing to enjoy. Let's actually walk alongside them because I think I've just seen as I've gotten older and I've done lots of things, you know, I've participated in things as, as I was younger in youth groups and stuff. And I've taken a lot of youth groups to things. I think I've just really seen what are the things that have stuck and what are the things that fizzle out, right? So like some of the most extravagant, flashiest things I've ever taken people to or been a part of you might look back on and say that was a cool, neat experience, right? But the lack of substance there. I think some of the most powerful experiences have been just like being out in the middle of the woods and just being isolated from all the noise, right? All the cultural noise mm. and just having a retreat to get away from everything. Uh, one of the things I don't talk about as much that I do at All Things Narrative is I do uh, work with the youth group at my church. And when we did our youth retreat, it was, I mean, there were moments where we got we got hype, you know? We, uh, we played games and did a lot of fun things, but we were just, we were all just staying like by the lake, you know, and just trying to like, no cell phones, like very little technology, just trying to just, be present, right? And I think that's the thing for me is like, are we really like cultivating people, um, encouraging them to be present with one another mm. and in that presence going deep? Mm. So I think that's the yeah. thing that turns me off is the thinness of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Now, some of the other topics that uh, we had for season two here were uh, we did an episode on Christian cliches. We did an episode, a Valentine's Day episode on love and lust. Uh, did Jesus die for Sunday mornings? Which <laughs> that was a that was a fun one. I really like that title there. And then we did a lot of episodes where, like, we this is where I think the epi- the podcast was starting to become a little more focused. Uh, where we were trying, like, the fun church episode was a part of this. Where we did episodes on like science and hell and social justice and. You know, a lot of these episodes were things that I think people were requesting and we were starting to really hear what other people were interested in having us talk about. Now, one of the things that came up in season two was this conversation about denominations. Now, we gave it in this kind of 
tongue-in-cheek title of which denomination is right, quotes, right? Right, right, right. Knowing that obviously we weren't going to do that. That wasn't going to be the point of the episode. But when I listen to this episode, I think that there's a lot of things that are really fascinating. I think this is where a lot of the seeds of your Orthodox journey really shine. Really? I think so. I'm going to play you a clip. Oh, wow. Uh, But I I know, and I know for me as well, there was to be real, and you you might even hear a little bit of it in the clip as well, but there was a little bit of that church hurt going on where Mm. I had been a part of a denomination just a couple years before and had experienced some hurt about the way they did things. And in trying to go to and explore these different denominations, um, just the wrestling with things that I was going through. And I landed in like a very interdenominational church and that's the church I'm still at today. But yeah, let's take a look at this clip because I think it's, it's really fascinating for both our stories. Funny. What denominations have become for a lot of people mm-hmm. is like, well, we're the ones who've got it right and everyone else has got wrong. it wrong. Is that what you see? And if so, what are your thoughts on that? Wow. Well, I feel like it's very... Uh, Man, it's very it's it's a bold statement to be like, we've got it right mm-hmm. and they got it wrong. You know what I'm saying? I would say, uh, like even when it comes to like who got it right, I feel like that may be the wrong kind of way to look at it. I mm-hmm. when it when it comes to which denomination has it right, I think instead of saying right, we could probably be like, okay, which is more uh, more consistent or uh, approaches the biblical hermeneutics in a, in a proper way, or more you know, most faithful to the scriptures. Yeah, you know. Well, and it's subjective because I think I think most of, if not all, denominations would claim that they're being faithful to scripture, which which makes it interesting, right? Yeah, that's where it gets because all. Then, twisted. yeah, because at the end of the day, even the early church. Fathers, they differed in a few things, but did, yeah. the essentials are what matter. Like, mm-hmm. are we staying true to the gospel? Are we staying true to the, you know, Jesus? What is? What do we say about the Trinity? And I mm-hmm. think those things are what are most important. You know, like you even look at you and I in our relationship. There's so many things we agree on, mm-hmm. but then I'm sure if as we continue to go through conversation, we can realize, man, there's some things we differ on as well. Right. Uh, differ in as well you know so i think there's beauty in the in that there's so many different christians and there's so many different shades to them and that's kind of cool like what life in the gray is all about as well yeah <laughs> man that there's was more so there's crazy. more to this clip so let's pause here yeah. real quick okay. there's more though You're there's more coming more? there's okay, more okay, coming okay yeah that was so cringy ah i'm <laughs> melting Wow. What what are your thoughts as you were hearing that? Man, it's crazy. Like when you say that these were seeds and steps, you uh-huh. really met that. Yeah. <laughs> you met that. Um, so it's it's funny it's funny for a couple reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So for one, at that time, like obviously I said if someone thought that they were the right way, it was quite arrogant. Right. right? I said something to that effect. Right. Um which I would probably have a different kind of conversation with my Being younger orthodox, self. Orthodox, yeah, for now. sure. Um, but also, I also see the threads of where you were headed to with even 
how you phrased the question to me. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know if you remember how you kind of said it's like, yeah. hey, like Luther, what are your thoughts on just like when these groups thinking they're you know uh, right or whatnot? And right. So the way that you phrase that, uh-huh. right? We're the ones that get it right and everyone else got it wrong. And right. the reason why that stood out to me is because even years down the line, mm. with how much you appreciate uh, Orthodox Christianity, yeah. you have a great respect for it. You said, I like it, Lou, but this one thing here, this is the only thing here about it that I wrestle with, like mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, like, you know, so... And, and you kind of know what I'm talking about, right? We've, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've sat. More like t- the exclusivity, the exclusi- right? right? That, that right. piece of it, for sure. Right. I know that that could sometimes rub people the wrong way. And I think that sometimes perspective is everything, right? So like, yeah. there is groups, like even when we were in our Protestant camp, like even from like a Calvinistic perspective that you felt that. Oh, for in, sure. In the way it was brought to you, the approach of it was like, Yes, we are right. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else has just this super liberal, uber goober mm-hmm, type of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And uh, and obviously that's not a representation of all Calvinists. I want to be right, very right, right. fair and charitable. Yeah. But many times people felt that kind of under underline. Now, with Orthodox Christianity, mm-hmm. like when we say that, you know, it is the original church that links back to the apostles, Mm -hmm, Christianity mm -hmm. has been practiced for 2000 years. Right. It's not really a flex. Mm -hmm, Like it, mm -hmm. it sometimes even is for me, at least I'm speaking for myself. Like sometimes it's been an awkward conversation. Right. Like how do I say that we're the originals? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like how, how do you say that in a way that doesn't come off? Like how dare you? Because we're so used to schism. Yeah. Well, We're and so I think I'm to. more I'm much more sympathetic to that because mm. if you study the history of church, right. what you guys are doing is you're tracing back to the beginning. Protestant, you know, I think a lot of my frustration was like how can the church that came after Martin Luther or the church that came after John Calvin or John Wesley or right, whoever, right. how can you say right. that that strand that it's, strain of church that's is the, the church. <laughs> yeah. I think that was my issue, right? Right. And so I think now when I hear this, it's less of like, like with Eastern Orthodox, it's less of the tracing of it and saying like, we are the church as it, and right. it's more of the, I think my issue now has actually changed mm. to where it's now more of like, well, in 2000 years of history, right. the church has gone through a lot of crap. Sure. And a lot of schism and a lot of splitting. Right. I'm reading, uh, you ever heard of Dominion by Tom Holland? Uh, no, is that that book that you had on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the front? Big, thick yeah, historical thick book, book I saw, right? I saw that on your kitchen table. Right. So he's tracing this and mm. how all of this messiness of church history brings us in the West to where we are today for better and for worse, right? Mm. And I think my issue now is like, when you look at how much good for all of the terribleness, how much good for the ultimate betterment of human kind, civilization, society came out of some of the, the people in the Catholic and the Protestant church. And to say that like, that's not, maybe not of God or maybe not 
of us, you know, like that's more of the issue I have now. Right, right, right. Because once you start to see all the things that have changed the world for the better that have come from that, right? And I'm like, that can only be an act of God that like abolished slavery. And the book really traces that this comes from like Protestant, that mindset. And if you didn't have that mindset of like, let's question this, right? Let's kind of go against what, what's been said here and let's, right? That actually way of thinking has changed things for the better yeah. uh, for a lot of ways. So I think that's more of my issue now. It's not the that, exclusivity. It's more right. like the lack of inclusivity in understanding the rest of where the church plays a role in that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I hear you there. Um, so like the Orthodox perspective, we wouldn't deny that good things have happened outside of the church, right? So, yeah. So like, yeah, there's definitely there's good there's good everywhere in the world, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's refreshing to hear because I think sometimes when people hear this idea of the Orthodox Church and seeing its you know ancient Eastern roots mm-hmm. and think, oh, so. Is everything is everything outside of that a lost cause? Sure, sure. And the reality is there's a lot of good that happens in the world. So the claim of it being, you know, the church that Christ has established doesn't take away from good good work that, you know, people good human humanitarian work that people are doing. Uh, you know, nice community work that's happening around the cities. And there's even things that like um outside of what people would consider Christian, right? So like maybe some I don't know, Mormons or even, I don't know, even who, you name it, they're doing some good work in an area or something like that. You know, we're happy about that work. Um, However, the Orthodox Church is just saying, hey, you know, as it pertains to the Christian faith, this is where the sacraments are found. This is where apostolic succession is. This is where, you know, uh, the traditions that have been passed down from generation to generation uh, yeah. can be found. And, and so it's it's more on that focus. It's not it's not saying any, anything about someone's eternal state, right? Sure. We're not saying, oh, if you're outside the Orthodox Church, you're bound to burn in hell. No, sure. like certainly we don't say that. We'll say, hey, this is where the church is found. This is where salvation is found. Um, and it's in the Orthodox Church. And we're agnostic to anything outside of the church. Does right. that make sense? So yeah. Like, so like we'll say... Uh, we know where the church is, and and we'll, we'll we'll speak in that manner. However, how the Holy Spirit, how the wind blows, we we He can move any way He wants. Right, right. right. We're not aware of it. We just can tell you where the church is. Sure. Does sure. that make sense? As, yeah. So yeah. I think that's like a that's a healthy kind of perspective, which still invites people to this, not make it seem like, hey, this is you know this is an exclusive group. You're not invited. Everyone's welcome to the church, um, we're saying all are invited, you know, mm-hmm. and for those that are not there yet, you know, like, hey, you know, feel free to inquire, investigate for yourself and yeah. see if this is, you know, a home for you. I like how you how you put that. Thanks, man. So, yeah, I think... I would the, just, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, I would change one thing about what I said that when I said, see if it's a home for you. It is a home for everybody. It's not like, oh, see if it works out for you. Like, it... it it's for everyone. Yeah. You know? Oh, oh no, uh, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Well, you, sorry, you were going to say. I, I think the thing that just amazes me is just looking at um, how God, how big God is mm. and how God works in all kinds of circumstances that 
seem impossible or seem like we wouldn't expect. And that'll come up later in a, in a clip I'm going to play later. But in, to go back in this orthodox direction, though, for a bit, I want to play the next part of the denomination thing because this is from as far as I could tell, the first time that I could trace in this particular issue that became like a huge reason for your journey going to orth a huge catalyst we'll call it for going okay. orthodox and it was actually a huge part of what brought me back to faith so i want to play wow. this part here let's hear it i've been to a catholic church and an eastern mm -hmm. orthodox church and i think the saddest thing is that even though i'm a christian i'm not allowed to take communion because mm. of this deep deep schism that has taken place over the churches Really? Yeah. Why, why, why can't you take? They, they will say, like, before they do the Eucharist, and they'll say, like, if you are not of the Catholic tradition, we'd ask you not, or the, the Eastern Orthodox tradition, um, we'd ask you not to take communion with us, but to pray for the, the reunifying of the church. Hmm. And it's just funny because I just sit there and I'm like, well, isn't what you're doing right now by not letting me come to the table, like, isn't that only contributing further to the problem rather than, you know, opening the table up? Because it's, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, so yeah. I really struggled with that when I was at those at those churches. Wow. Where do we start? I know, right? <laughs> That you know was the first time that, we talked about that topic, the, though. That was you it. You know what's crazy? When you brought that up, I had no clue. No what clue Orthodox what was? you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, Catholic, uh, I'm aware of that. Orthodox, what? Yeah. You know, like. Oh, that's great. But I just went on like, oh, okay, they don't let you take. Okay, cool. But I, I was like, what? Probably some weird branch of Christianity. Yeah. Or um, Man. It's funny. I, think I, I was offended, I think, because yeah. shortly after I was at the Eastern Orthodox Church was mm -hmm. when I had that whole experience where I went into a church, had communion, and basically had my faith revived. Mm. And where I had that moment where I just felt God affirming um, um, his presence in my life and just really, I mean, I still, that experience was eight years ago and it's still really powerful. Wow, you know, in wow. the in the fruit that it produced. So the fact that I went to the Eastern Orthodox Church and was denied that experience, hmm. but I found it somewhere else, I'd love to get your your kind of thoughts on that. Man, you are really putting me in the hot seat. Life in the gray. This Listen, really is like, you can put me in the hot seat too all you want um, when we get to some of these later clips here. Um, can I at least get a sip of water? Get a sip, get a sip. Can I get a little um, it wouldn't be life in the gray if we didn't have these conversations, right? Right. It's classic life but, in the but gray. But I genuinely would just like to get your thoughts on that. Sure. Um, I'll try to be as honest as I can. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so I think that so it was, it was kind of seen as offensive, right? I think that's how I took it. At the, I, I don't take it that way anymore, but yeah. at the time I took it that way. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is that the Orthodox do that in a sense of love. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, hey, you're you're not part of the cool crowd. You can't come. Right, um, right. The, the close communion is not only uh, in honor of the sacred mystery, because we have mm -hmm. a certain perspective about the sacrament, right. but also for your sake too, I mean, 
you know, based on what we believe about the sacrament, for those that are um, not in a place to take it, mm. it could be like a sense of judgment for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, that's fair. You know, in a sense of like, you know, like you read in the book of First uh, Corinthians, uh, mm-hmm. where some have taken it and have, you know gotten sick, and some have even you know died. Right. You know, and. Um, you well, know, not not implying that if you if you took it, you were gonna like f- drop. No, but what drop. was happening in that church right in Corinth was that uh, the way I've understand the context is that there were people who were coming to the church that were poor, mm-hmm. and people that were rich. Right. And for the poor people, communion is an opportunity to eat, to be filled, right? right? You had all these people that were indulging in communion, right? Treating it as like this banquet, this feast at the expense right, right, of right. the poor. And so there was this lack of understanding of what communion actually was. Mm. And that's what, right? So yeah, so, so yeah, so for, for, for us, like there's a sense where we want to, um, you know, there's that that honor for what it means and yeah. based on like you know early church writings there's this idea that you know those that have prepared like cuz there's a whole preparation for us mm, even to as take orthodox communion, sure. you know there's sometimes orthodox christians can't even take communion yeah. right there's some weeks where you excommunicate yourself in a sense oh wow right? like i didn't if, know that you know if you you know that maybe you've, you've been you haven't really gone to confession and there's some sins that you've really just you, mm-hmm. you know, um, or a sense of like, you know, there, you know, maybe your priest who knows who's your spiritual father knows what's going on in your life. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, let's uh, he'll probably direct you in a proper way. Um, but um, and and you want to talk to Orthodox priests about these kind of things. But basically, the idea is there's there's things that go into it, right? There's prayers that we pray, um, preparing up for communion. There's we fast before we take communion. Mm-hmm. Um, so. There's a lot that goes into it, um, so it's not like this casual experience for us. Yeah. Um, even though we we want to do it as frequently as we can, so so that's that's the the mindset behind that. Like the sacrament for us, like if it means something different for other Christians, mm-hmm. then it just makes sense that it'd be closed off, right? So yeah. like if there's some Christians, and I'm not saying this is your view, I'm just yeah. saying in general. Some Christians just think it's symbolic, right? Oh, mm-hmm. you know, I right. symbolically eat the teachings of right, Christ, right, right, whatever right. that means. Yeah, yeah. And if some other Christians say, hey, well, this is the actual body and blood of Christ mm-hmm. um, for the forgiveness of sins. If someone believes that, you know, partaking of the sacrament is cleansing, if, if they have this idea of a foreshadowing of what happened in the Old Testament where Isaiah, you know, mm-hmm. you have this, uh, you know, this partaking of the spoon that happened. I don't know if you uh, yeah. remember that story there. And this guy's, it was like coals that were on his lips and it was burning or whatever. Yeah. Um, but this idea that it's purifying for us. Like we are partaking mm-hmm. of divinity. And for some that might be a crazy view to take. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're partaking in divinity? Yeah. They probably don't want to deal with something like that. Sure. So... There's so much to it, um, I think, when we take it from that perspective. And depending on what time this episode drops, I should have an episode actually on Holy cool. Communion and the Eucharist that you could check out on the YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. So I don't know when this one pops out. You said, sure. like, what? November, some, probably. Somewhere in November. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it'll probably be out by then. Cool. Uh, me and Father Jonathan are working on a, a case for uh, so, Holy So Community. let me ask you one follow-up question then to that, and then we can move on. Sure. Um, so you talked about how like there might be times where you don't take communion because maybe there's things going on in right. your life that are undealt with, right? Yeah. So how, how do you reconcile that with the fact that on the night Jesus was betrayed, the apostles took communion in the state that they were in. That was just, you know, they're going to abandon Jesus. Like there's so much in their hearts that's going on. And Jesus institutes this thing called communion with people who are not holy in that moment to say the least, at least in terms of like what we know their actions were going to lead to. Yeah. So I don't know what, what what are kind of your thoughts on that because like I understand yeah. communion as like a way that we receive God right because I I agree yeah, yeah. that we take God in sure. we take Christ in in a very real way yeah. through communion but we take Christ in so that we can be healed we right, can be right. transformed we can be made Christ like and maybe this is just the Protestant in me coming out when I say this but it's like even if I don't have it all together. I need to come to that table right, right. and receive that because yeah. that's where I know life is found. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point, Derek. And so um, you're you're definitely onto something good there. Um, when I say that we prepare for communion, so I'm not I'm not saying that you have to have have it all together. To sure. Because if that's the case, nobody can take. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, and so I'll just say as much as this, and I would definitely kind of revert this to like yeah. a spiritual father, totally. Orthodox priest, because I, I don't want to speak on uh, you know behalf of the church and say something that's not correct or true. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's so much so like I would think of like you're you're detracting in a way like you're you're living in a state that like let's say like for example mm-hmm. this is just an example. If you're committing adultery with your wife, mm. I mean, probably shouldn't take. You probably should. You, probably you mean like should. you're not repentant about it? Like yeah, you're, you're doing it? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like, I see what you're saying. Like repentance in that case would not look like, hey, let me take communion. It'd probably look like, hey, let me stop doing this yeah. and let me. I get what confess. you're saying yeah. now. Yeah. 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 That and, you know, that's just an example. But um, these are the kind of things that we're talking about. Like, we, we treat the sacrament as something very precious and holy. And so yeah. there's a sense of like preparing for it, right? Yeah. Even even from the night before, like our churches have something called a Vesper service where mm. there's prayers in the evening. Like we're preparing for to partake of this wonderful mystery that you mentioned that we receive healing when we take of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing that we, we treat yeah. sacredly. And there's one thing in the liturgy that I always love, uh, uh, that we sing it says um the holy things are for the holy so it, it says the holy things are for the holy and mm-hmm. then the liturgy goes on to say but there's but only one i can't sing <laughs> one <laughs> is holy I. the lord jesus christ right to the glory of god the father amen praise so so basically like it says the holy things are for the holy mm-hmm. and then it says but there's only one that is holy mm-hmm. the lord jesus christ right um, so yeah, man. So hopefully that was helpful. In yeah, some no, way. I appreciate that. Yeah, no yeah, that was good. And before we move on from season two, one last question. Talk to me. On the record here. 
Okay. <laughs> do you still hate birthdays? Do I still hate birthdays? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Um, Have you come around on birthdays? Yeah. So I mentioned in previous episodes of Derek, I wasn't a fan of birthdays or whatever. But for the sake of culture, I kind of just like, I obviously say happy birthday to people. I acknowledge birthdays, things like that. But for me, it's not really my thing. Now being Orthodox. Uh-huh. Yeah, what's the Orthodox c- position on birthdays? <laughs> I mean, celebration is a nice thing. It's uh-huh. a good thing. Sure is. Um, and we we sing happy birthday for people in our church. Uh-huh. Um, we we acknowledge people's, like, name day. Like, we have certain, like, festival things right, right, right. that we do. Um, we acknowledge a lot of things in the Orthodox church that, you know, I, I'm cool with birthdays. So I'm glad they brought you around. <laughs> it's time. Welcome. Yo, 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 yo. I'm a huge believer in that all things are spiritual, right? That's yeah. very intertwined with justice, wouldn't you say? Part of this is breaking down walls and barriers. This, this is life in the gray. When things aren't black or white. We live our life in the gray. Join us in conversing about God, church, and culture. My name is Derek. I'm Michelle. And this is Luther. We're starting to upgrade there. Yeah, that, that you feel the upgrade there. That intro is <laughs> fire compared to the original. I, 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 you got, so- I know you got a soft spot I for had, the original, I right? had a soft spot for the original. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. It it's it just spoke to me as like it had some retro feels to it. It, it does, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's of course a big difference you notice on that intro because yeah, we, we added a added MT, or as now she's referred to as MC, aka Michelle Turner, who is now Michelle Cook. Yeah, for yeah, she's married in, into the Cook family. That's right. So mm. yeah, unfortunately, we did try really hard to schedule and get her to be here today, but it just Wait, this this meeting has been rescheduled like four or four five times. times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. at this point, I was like, "Listen, out. I will walk here to to get to this meeting." So yeah. So <laughs> you know, um, but thanks for being patient with us. Yeah, but this this uh, season three, right? This is when I feel like we were we had a lot of more people listening. Now we were easily like listened to all over the world. At this point, mm. we were. We were getting a lot more traction. And I think we were, this is probably when we were having the most fun as well. I mean, we were still very tongue in cheek, but like, listen to like some of these titles. Does Christian music suck? Yeah, we're getting a little bold. Does the internet make you an expert? Let's talk about sex. <laughs> Let's talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Um, yeah, is the Reformation overrated, which was definitely a huge foreshadow. Wow. Right? Uh, Do you have clips from that one? <laughs> not here, but... Send um, me that episode. I oh, just yeah, you got to go what, back and what hear What I that. believed about that. Yeah, I feel like that was the first time I kind of heard you walk back some things about your Reform background. Really? I think that was the first time, I think, where like you were kind of like, yeah, you know, you got a good point there about Martin Luther being anti-Semitic trash. <laughs> some of the stuff he says and Calvin like burning people at the stake for yeah, being heretics. You know, you think you're on to something. Wow. So, yeah, you we, made me this way. Yeah, it's my fault. <laughs> or if you're Orthodox, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> but so one episode I remember we had a lot of fun with was... Um, 
this one I'm going to play you a clip from. And this this kind of highlights just how much fun we were having at the time. Great. great. Um, with just this fantastic episode. Also, this did become, I think, in our top five most popular episodes we ever did. Mm. Why the hell should I stop cussing? Cuss oh, that was a classic. Yeah. I would say the S word. So, like, if I if I hit my foot on something or whatever, I'm just like, I'll I'll say it under my breath. So I'm like, you know, I'm I, not going to say it, but. I got a funny story about that word. The first time I ever preached at my current church, Uh-oh. I was giving my testimony, and I said, in light of this life shift, that's what I was supposed to, to say, say but that's not what came, came out. out. And I didn't realize it until like 10 seconds later and everybody was like laughing and I was like, oh, thank God I go to a church that would do that. Yeah. But I was like, that actually worked in context with what I was saying. That was probably more powerful than the word shift. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. The word there that I was referring to is shit. (laughs) Just laying it out. See, okay. When we record that episode, you were like, I'm not going to cuss on this episode. You know, it's a cussing episode. I know. But right? now you're like, I don't care. Listen, I was so rigid back then, man. I yeah. was, uh, man, I was so much in my Christian bubble. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, I can't cuss out. I'd literally be, yeah, dude, uh, come I'm on. I'm like, bro, just say shit. <laughs> just say it. Just say it. You won't melt. I promise. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, that was a. That was a fun episode. That was. We were having a lot of fun at, at that, that point. Time. We 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 were like, we were like that cool rock band. Like I feel like we were. We were. We were. Remember we, when we 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 recorded in Salento Coffee? Yeah, and they had, shut the whole place down just down so, we so we could, could record. record. Yeah, that was. We like, had a live show we, once. Oh, in oh, South. we're gonna get to the live oh, yeah? show. Just, okay, that's okay. the next one on here. Okay. Yeah. But, so like. Yeah, we, that, at that point we were starting that we had some cells behind us. We were grooving. Yeah. You know? No, we definitely were. We that was the marathon. Remember when we recorded five episodes back to back? Wow. Do you remember that? And you they know, had to shut They had day. to I... shut the coffee shop down because we were like way over on hours. And so at like eight o'clock at night, we drove to Michelle's church's offices and f- on Palm and Beach got Island. That last recording. And did no, we did two more episodes in the room. And that's when my brother in law, James, came. Yep, James came and he was recording them recording. all. Recording. Wow. Yeah. What a that's that, cool. We were we were in the grind. Like that was like Thanks, James I think Murray the hardest we were all working. You were doing all the the prep, like in terms of the layouts and the organizing the mm. agenda, like not the agendas, but the the direction right. the, the episodes went in. Right. Michelle was doing social media. I was doing all the editing. Yeah, so so were, it was like we had work to do. Yeah. We were we were busy there for sure. Yeah. Wow. I still I still think my categories still stand though, the difference between cussing, cursing, and swear words. You know, I I don't know if the orthodox what you guys think of it, but it's like cursing is like terrible. We don't want to curse people, right? Right, right. We don't want to raka. We don't want to do that kind of thing. Cussing is culturally inappropriate words, right? That our our culture will just say like, yeah, these are not, you know. And then swearing is like basically invoking the name of God for your own agenda. And a lot of the times cuss, you know, those kind of words right. do that. Right, right. So yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the <laughs> the church Orthodox says view about on. That. But like like words words, I mean we we put weight to them based yeah. on, on what we're Well you mentioned also that we did a live show. And I think this was like uh this was peak life in the gray where we did this live show. Uh it was on race. That was yeah. the topic that we went with. It was uh this was 2019. Yeah. And so was, there was, was a, a lot house of too. it was a full house. We packed out. It was a small church building given, but it was 
it was larger than our church services were at the time. Wow. Like it was a lot of people. It was packed. Yeah. A lot of people we didn't know that. Some people wanted us to keep going. I know a lot. That is one thing that They're I like, wish we could have done more is done yeah. more live shows like this. Um, but I'm going to play a couple clips um, of you and I when we were talking about race. Okay. Um, just a couple of the moments that when I listen back that a lot of people I think really connected and resonated with mm. and just kind of shows that the direction of the podcast was going from like ranting about church and all that to more of discussion about issues and culture and how to engage those as Christians. Mm. And like, there was still a lot of theological like wrestling as well. Great. But I, I do think there's a shift that's happening around this time. So I'm gonna play, uh, play these clips here. Yeah. Then you grow up and you look at the news, you move to a city as I did to West Palm. You begin working in the inner city, which I have for the last four years. And you begin to realize that the narrative that you inherited as a little white millennial boy in the suburbs was wrong. And you begin to look at this and you begin to see that you were handed the wrong narrative and that as a white male, you're actually a part of a different narrative. You're part of a narrative of people who have oppressed for centuries and centuries and centuries in this country. And you realize, and you wake up one day, and you see, dear God, what have my people done? What have they done? I want nothing to do with that. And of course you feel white guilt. Of course you're going to feel it. I didn't ask for this narrative. I didn't ask to come from a line of people that mistreated yours. And I'm sorry on their behalf. But I can tell you that that's not a narrative I want to be a part of. That's not a narrative I identify with. But I acknowledge, as we're going to talk about later in this discussion, I do acknowledge that. And I have to work through that. And I have to admit I can't sugarcoat it. I can't say that America was peachy perfect and great at one point because I know the truth now. The scales have fallen from my eyes. And so I can't help but feel white guilt. Eric making me feel bad. I got black. <laughs> I mean, racism changes over time. Yeah. Is the way it's, you know, the way it's wired. And, um, like, I think about just as a little kid, I wanted to be white. You know, I thought that uh, white was better. You know, this is just, and, and the crazy thing is no one teaches you that. No one tells you that. Like, I never had a teacher that, um, I never had a teacher that said, hey, you know, white is better or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the fact that, that's kind of ingrained, like where does that come from? Yeah. Like like how, and, and you look at society, like if you Google, maybe if you Google like most beautiful people in the world right now, um, mainly white people would show up. Like, that, like if you do it right now, maybe that's, that's what you'll see. Yeah, that was, that was heavy. That was, uh, that was such a, a, a powerful event we put on. Yeah. 
Well, and um, you were so transparent too, like about. I was. I was those, like, I was just listening. I was like, I was that honest. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I was. You, you got very personal. I was at transparent. This event. Yeah, for sure. Wow, wow, man, I'm proud. Of, I'm proud of younger me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this one you're okay with. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that that those episodes were a lot later. So that's when we were. Yeah. We were becoming Closer crystallized to, to who yeah. we were. We are now for sure. You know, opposed to like season one where we were like wet behind the ear, yeah. you know, puppy. For sure. You know, but um, something that you said there and, you know, kind of uh, broke the tension there with that lighthearted joke, black guilt. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, like you were transparent. I would say you were transparent there as well. Like, yeah. you know, this idea of like, I, hey, I didn't, you know, I kind of woke up into this story. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm using the word narrative a lot. Like I think mm. 2018, 2019, that's becoming more conscious on my mind all the time. Right. Um, right. And just see starting to see the nar- the narrative worldview um is starting to emerge more and more in just terms of how I think about everything. Right. And recognizing, right? That was the peak of like me learning about all the crappy, terrible things. And with things that you know about, but you don't actually like really confront right like reading columbus's diary Mm. or reading the stances of churches during the holocaust or during um, wild or during the pre-civil rights era in american history i think that was really when i was starting to wake up and realize a lot of that stuff if you see me as a white person and you connect me with that Mm. I don't want any part with that. And it car- that carried over to the Christian conversation later. Yeah. Like, right? When I think about it, like what I was saying there is like, I don't want this narrative, right? That's the struggle two years later I had with the Christian narrative uh, was in waking up to all that stuff. Then I said, well, sense. I don't want you to look at me with Chris- as Christian and assign all these, di- right? Right, right. Oh, I, I just made that connection there. Wow. Like I wow. just, I never thought of it like that, but it's interesting seeing how my these things thinking, are it's, together, it's yeah. deconstructing, you know, this is like really where we the deconstructing. We did have a deconstruction. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. And this is really where it's coming out publicly. Right. Right? Yeah, that's crazy, man. It's, cra- it's crazy how a lot of people go through that. Yeah. Cause like I, I've seen even like famous people do that. Oh, hundred like percent. And we were doing it publicly. That's still the craziest thing. Right. As we were just doing these this stuff, you know. But yeah, that event was people still. I, I still have people that talk about it to this day. Right. Who were there? So. Wow. So I know I mentioned like like how normative whiteness was. Mm, you yes. Know? You know it's crazy. Um, I know I said that no one taught us that. And, and in a sense, that's true. But I feel like in subliminal ways it was taught. Yeah. You know, like. How so? I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot better today. But I remember like going to certain places and like think about, like, think about what Barbie represents, right? Mm. You know, you're not going to see Barbie really with a fro and, <laughs> you know, a disco or whatever. I don't know. But it like it, it whiteness was normal. Mm. You know what I mean? So if whiteness was normal, then anything that wasn't whiteness seemed like, oh, it was either 
not you know abnormal or anomaly or something. Yeah. I don't know. So um, yeah, that's 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 interesting. Do I mean, you, do you think looking back, that was four years, four and a half years ago that we did that episode? Where do you think we're at now? Do you think we've gotten better? Do you think we're st- stuck the same? Are we worse? So some black brothers and sisters disagree disagree with me on this because when I went Orthodox, they're like, hey, you still fight for, you know, justice issues and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. And I've I've taken some heat even from some black Orthodox people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, like, hey, you don't you don't address these things enough. You you know, it's all about faith for you kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um I think that matters of these kind of matters are more so present in individual kind of situations. Now, I'm not saying there's no such thing as like, you know, it's tough. Like, I'm not saying like there's not things that happen on a bigger scale, no, right? Systemic. And, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying there's 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 none of that that doesn't exist, right? There's things that we thought was normal, right? Like, mm-hmm. for example, you have the T- Tuskegee experiment, right? We trust mm-hmm. we trusted medical professionals, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they gave STDs to population of black people and these people were sick and they were Mm -hmm. they died Mm. that's history that's a fact yeah yeah but if you said that at the time that's a conspiracy theory yeah yeah you know what i mean crazy how that works right (laughs) you know right so like who am i to say like there's not forces at times at play like I'm yeah. too I'm too aware for that. Like you've heard me on the episode on the episodes long enough to know mm-hmm. I am more on the skeptical side than I am on the oh yeah I'll just agree nothing's happening everything's fine in the world. Um, but I feel like we need to ask questions. What's going on on the individual on the day to day? Because the thing is, like Derek, I know you don't have a racist bone in your body. Like mm-hmm. you're you embody love in your life personally. Oh, thanks, so. Man. Yeah. So like if everyone's taking that responsibility, then our world becomes a better place. Yeah. So it seems like there's an emphasis that you're placing more, if I understand you correctly, understand like more on individuals need to take responsibility for how they need to address racism where they're at. Right. Right. And I think maybe, is it fair to say that at the time you were a little bit more of the perspective of a more like we need to change the system, we need to, right? Yeah, like, I, I had more of like let's restructure the whole system, things like yeah. that. But, but the system is made of individuals, yeah. You know, and so I'm not saying there's not there's not work to be done on a bigger scale or anything. Well, and like I think that. as we get older, we start to realize, especially as you read more history, that people will always invent new systems to enslave other people, mm. no matter what. Well, it well. does not matter what the system is. There's like, cause you see that with communism and socialism, right? Right. Let's have a system where everybody's equal. This is George Orwell Animal Farm mm. 101 here, right? Animal Farm 101. Animal Farm 101. That's right. Let, let's have it where all are equal, but some are more right. e- better equal than other, right? So it's like that always creeps in because that's kind of the downfall of humanity is that if we have the opportunity to advance above somebody else, to be better, to be greater, right. whatever that looks like, we will. The last of the first of the, the 
Yeah. Because of the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Yeah, oh, exactly. So, mm. and I think the, the Bible has lots of stories that are sobering reminders right. of that. Good point. And here. so, yeah, that shift, I, I definitely see it. I see that in you. Um, I definitely think you change the world one person at a time. Yeah. And it is, and the, don't get me wrong, yeah. there are things that need to be changed exactly. on a macro systemic level. There Thank you. definitely yeah. are sure. a lot of things. Um, but it, it's the heart. Yeah. You know, if you could change the system, but if you don't change the heart, right. then and sometimes we got to start small. And, and, and I feel like in the Bible, man, the Bible is just such a classic work yeah. because it, it deals with these things. Yeah. The way for these things really to change, and I know this might sound really cliche mm-hmm. and really like, well, duh, <laughs> but it, it's repentance. Yeah, it's well, really, absolutely. It really is It's just that turning away. And to continue yeah. to turn away, right? Yeah. You know, John the Baptist said that, you know, right. continue on with repentance in like John chapter two or something that fact. I'm surprised you still call him John the Baptist. Uh, well, Saint John, <laughs> Saint John the Baptizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You could say that John the Baptizer. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's good because I think again, I've been doing a lot of reading and studying lately about the narrative, right? How the narrative shifted and changed on slavery, right. um, not just in the West but in the world at large, and it really is that you have to have an individual that's willing to speak up at the right place in the right time. Mm. And even if, cause I was learning about this with like the Quakers and you had like this couple that was like outspoken on slavery in like the 1600s and everybody just rode them off. Mm. But 20 years, 20 years of him being outspoken and on his deathbed, he learns that the Quakers uh, have decided that slavery is not biblical. Mm, wow. So it's start, right? right? And that's that's one man, 20 years, one denomination, but it still had another 200 plus years before it start, right? Right. So mm. it's individuals staying faithful to what they know is true and good. Mm. Now, at this point, we take a break from life in the gray, which is now that I look back on it, it's kind of crazy because we were at the height right. of everything. Right. And then we just... We all were getting really busy with things, and we we took uh, we took an indefinite hiatus on it. Oh yeah, that's right, indefinite. Little did we realize that the world was about to turn on its head. Oh my! Oh my! And it's in the world turning on its head, and we enter 2020. That as we see all the craziness going on with the pandemic, with uh, Black Lives Matter with George Floyd and with um, the election and politics right. that we said, guys, the gray's got to come back. When things aren't black or white, we live life in the gray. Join us in conversing about God, church, and culture. This is Michelle. This is Luther. And this is Derek. By the way, that might be my favorite intro. I told you that, that might was, be my favorite. It was fire. Oh, it's so good. It was fire. If you look at our episode titles, politics, conspiracy theories, race in America revisit, like we're tackling all right. the big issues of 2020. Right. Um, and so I want to play a clip here. From which one? From 
This is going to be kind of a fun one. So <laughs> this is this episode was recorded, um, I think, like May, June of 2020. And these were our predictions for what life <laughs> would, would be, be like, like after the pandemic. Wow. So I'm going to play and okay. we're going to kind of see what do we get right? What, what did we, we get, get wrong? wrong? <laughs> I'm sure I got a lot wrong. I actually think you got more right than me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's take a look. All right. And the whole world is in it together. All of a sudden, we are not each other's enemy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, we may act like it when we're yelling at each other at the supermarket or, mm-hmm. you know, when we're, yeah, doing whatever. But ultimately, we see a greater connection with one another. Yeah. And... I, oh gosh, like God knew this was going to happen in 2020. We all knew that with this 2020 election coming up, that this is just a bomb waiting to go off. Mm -hmm. Whoever gets elected, it's going to be really bad. If Trump gets reelected again, everybody's going to lose their mind. (laughs) And if a Democrat gets in the office, everyone's going to lose their mind. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how the results are going to go. No one's going to, not everyone's going to be happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I do think that, one of my hopes is that if God knew this was going to happen and this was a way that this polarization and this hostility that we have, not just in America, but in the world, could be put to ease. Yeah. Hmm. That, that could be powerful, guys. That would be nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the inequality gap is going to grow between mm-hmm. the rich and the poor. The mm-hmm. middle class is going to mm-hmm. grow even more Smack. fragmented. And so I do think there's going to be, but we're going to realize that like, hey, it's that middle to lower class that's doing all these deliveries that's in the grocery stores, in the warehouses. Yeah. And we're going to realize if they're sick or they're not taken care of well, that affects us. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think, I think homeschooling is going to boom. I think that um, obviously like a lot of, a lot of things are going to be moved to the virtual world yeah. like mm-hmm. crazy. Do you guys um, think that this is the final nail in the coffin for retail, like brick and mortar stores? No. Uh, I, yeah, probably not. <laughs> but, but man, a lot of things are going to be moved. Like, man, Amazon's going to like boom like crazy. Well, it's already booming, of course, but like online shopping is going to be mm-hmm. so much more of a thing yeah. for so many people. Without having to pay all this rent on a building, right? right. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, that's a good point. A lot of stuff, like a lot of places that meet, because because rent is pricey. Young, naive, optimistic little me <laughs> thought that we were gonna all come together and kumbaya. <laughs> <laughs> we're more divided than ever. Gosh, yeah, that did not age. I mean, it was hopeful, but man. I feel like it's even worse now. Dang, I didn't say anything about the vaccine on there. You actually did that in the conspiracy theory episode. Oh, what episode was that? This was um, Where Was God During COVID. During COVID. Okay, yeah. okay. You actually did have a lot of thoughts on the conspiracy okay, theory episode. Okay, for some reason I thought this was the... Especially about Bill Gates and <laughs> vaccines. And mosquitoes and stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. But I, I'll give myself one thing I got right was that the inequality gap was going to grow, that Mm. the rich will become richer, the poor will become poorer. I think that's the one thing that I'll say that I definitely, that definitely did happen. But you had some home runs. Really? You had some home runs. Homeschool boom. It did. Absolutely has boomed. boomed. (laughs) That's Um, true. Yes. 
Oh, man. It's surprising to me how much virtual school people still do, like for mm. homeschool, because I think a lot of damage was done through at least the, the public schools doing virtual schooling, right? Mm. Um, but you also said that um, a lot of things are going to shift online. Yeah. I think that's true. Which, which we kind of seen the elements of that happen uh, on its way to happening. Right. So I can't get too much credit for it. Sure. <laughs> well, and to be fair, like the brick and mortar, like the stores, I think, uh, I mean, I have friends in realty that tell me this is the worst time. Mm, I bet. To have a brick and mortar, like that kind of, you know, like the, especially in the area we're in, in South Florida, but rent is going up high. It's something oh you my, alluded to as well, right? So, especially in South Florida, yeah, it's bad here. Yeah, hundreds of dollars jumped up, and then by the next lease, it's ridiculous. What I got, you on? know, on the conspiracy episode, I brought up aliens too, and now that's in the news now more than ever. So, it's got some alien news happening. Oh man, yeah, oh man, good stuff. So we spend season four tackling these really controversial topics. We only have one guest on the entire season. Mm. And I'll go on record saying that this was probably the guest conversation that I personally enjoyed the most. Mm. Um, and that was Jack Levison. Yeah. Which yeah. was a big deal at the time getting him on because he's a big author. Bible scholar. Yes, Bible scholar, author. This was the most like well-known guest that we had. This was also in our top five most listen to episodes that we had was it was this um it was the cussing one a uh, couple others that i'm going to talk about in a bit mm -hmm. so what what i want to do now actually is i want to kind of as we've gone on for a while now i want to play a couple different things like if i could pick one episode that shows me exactly where i'm going to land it would have to be that spirit in the gray episode. And so I'm going to play a couple clips from that. And it's very interesting to kind of like go back and hear it and be like, wow, mm. I, I could see where it was all heading. Wow. Okay. And then I want to talk about your journey as well. So let's do it. In America, we're into issues. Mm hmm. We don't want the story. We want to know if you're right about sexuality. We want to know if you're right about politics. We want to know if you're right about speaking in tongues. And I think That's the so story allows us to embrace something the way we might jump into a river and be carried along. Issues don't do that. There is a story that exists, whether you believe it or not, whether you feel it or not. It's sort of like the Black Lives Movement right now, right? Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter whether white evangelicals care about it or not. Oh, it's yeah. there. <laughs> it's there. They can Amen. choose not to believe it. They can choose to deny it. They can choose to say it's wrong. Mm -hmm. It's there. And, you know, there's a lot that's happening in life that if you believe it or feel it, it really doesn't matter. It's there. And the gospel story is one we need to keep telling and telling and telling because finally people say, oh, it's like C.S. Lewis, right? Mm -hmm. He's talking to these Christians. He's talking to these damn Christians. He's talking <laughs> to these Christians, right? Mm. And talking and talking. And one day... It hits. It hits. I think our job is not, not to make them feel, 
of course, we love them and we affirm them sure. and we care for them and, and we embrace them and we let them know we're safe people for them. But we also tell that story again and again. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well said, Jack. You must be speaking right to Derek's heart because he <laughs> is the narrative guy. Yeah, like seriously. Everything you're saying is like, <laughs> oh, it's just beautiful. He's narrative therapy and he's, huh. he's always telling a story and it really is about... Well, I just, I personally really believe, and they hear me harp on this all the time, that story is our key as humans to understanding yeah. the world, understanding God and understanding each other. So, yeah. Um, God has a great story, He's and it's the not best one, story, right? And it's not without warts. It's mm-hmm. not without violence. It's yep. not without violence to women. It's not without racism. That's all part of the story, out of which God tries to bring joy and love and justice and compassion. But it's not like it's not a Disney story. It's not a Disney no, movie. it's not a Disney movie. You know, and, and so yeah, I think, but I think we keep living and telling that story. Yeah, it's crazy because the seeds of like where you are today with all things narrative, right? All things the emphasis on it. It's, yeah, you see it kind of, you know, the breadcrumbs in some of our older episodes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. you totally do. Wow, what he's articulating there of this whole idea of the messiness of the story, right? Mm. And I think like that, if there's anything that life in the gray taught me, like if I could summarize what my journey was, it was was going from understanding to critiquing to finally accepting. It might be a weird word for it, but accepting the fact that the story is messy. Mm. That was my journey over life in the gray. Wow. Was recognizing that, yeah, the Bible's messy. I mean, obviously we could be that, but still, like, you know, it's the Bible. But then we think about 2,000 years of history Mm. and recognizing that everything is messy and there is a lot of gray because of that. Wow. Uh, And it was, I was understanding that in my personal life through like my family history and through my spiritual life, through the history of Christianity, right? Mm. And I think like that was the lesson I had to learn was that even though it's messy to get somewhere, it's what do you do once it's your turn? Going back to what you shared about personal responsibility, right? Wow, wow. It's like, I understand the context, but now it's my turn. Right. What am I gonna do different this time? Yeah. And to to piggyback off what you just said, for me, I think my life in the great journey was investigating slash like yeah. really looking into it, like trying to understand it, similar to what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it moved to criticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were was, both in that. Right. Yep. After there was a level of like understanding as yeah. far as in investigation and scoping out. So it moved from that to criticism and then to exploration like exploring mm, yeah yeah so it's crazy because when i was in the in the space of investigation as well as criticism mm-hmm. i never planned to get out mm. like like the point was to reform what was there yes yes you know and and you know kind of gives me some not too happy weird flashbacks with like martin luther the original reformer like he was mm. never trying to start his own church sure yeah Right. He just 
showed his colors of being unorthodox and to, you know, to then eventually kind of go a different direction. But he was really just trying to see reform within the Catholic Church. Right. You know, he he would have thought it to be the the church that, that had, I mean, until his views kind of changed a little bit later. But I kind of, I think a lot of people kind of go through that too, mm-hmm. where they, they see problems, whether it's in the church or whether it's in certain things, and they, they think, well, the goal is maybe to fix it. Yeah. And I think what you and I have come to realize in our journey, there's some things you can't change. Yeah. Accepting the things you can't change. You either accept it. It doesn't mean you agree with it. Right, It doesn't mean right. you're okay with it. Right. But you recognize that this is what happened. This is what happened, and this is what it is. Yeah. And this is what it's going to be unless for some unforeseeable reason something else happens. But, yeah, I think we've we've noticed that in a lot of things in life and things mm-hmm. we can't even mention in this podcast, right? Mm. That just we can't change. Yeah. Um, and we have to be okay with that messiness and say, okay, this is what it is. Are you going to embrace it for what it is? Yeah. Well, well, in narrative practices, we have we distinguish between a dominant narrative and an alternative narrative, right? So dominant narratives are problem-saturated. So a lot of people who deconstruct their faith and a lot of people uh, who have been where both you and I have been, we have a very problem-saturated narrative of how we look at the story of Christianity. Mm. And rightfully so. There's a lot of problems and a lot of things that happen in that narrative. But you also see these alternative and almost counter narrative that runs alongside it, right? And it's recognizing that that's the narrative that God is pushing his people through, right? That God is really pushing us as, as human beings through. Um, so that we can critique the dominant problem narratives. You know, we have to always be careful that we don't become pro- part of the, those narratives, right? right? That we don't get wrapped up in uh, narratives around and discourses around racism, around um, slavery, around theological ideas and, and concepts that dehumanize people. What does it mean to find the narrative that Christ has always been leading a people through. Because like I said it back in Life in the Gray that I still stand by, Jesus was ahead of us the whole time. We're just trying to catch up. Mm. Wow. Wow. So the most popular episode for the longest time actually had to do with reforming. Really? And it was our episode called Calvinism? With a question mark. Right? With a question mark. <laughs> and so in talking about your journey, because I think if you listen to the Calvinism episode and you contrast that to one of our last episodes, I think the difference is night and day. Mm. But when you think back to that premise, to that episode about Calvinism, I mean, what are your thoughts? What does New Luther think of Luther from 2018, 2019, trying to convince people like me. Was that 2018? That was 2018, yeah. Oh, that's so embarrassing. I feel like that's that's not too far away. 
<laughs> I'm like, please. A lot tell can me happen was, in five years. I was like, tell me it was 2007. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, well, yeah, you, you hit it on the nail with just the process of your journey. And man, it's so crazy how we change over time, right? Mm -hmm. I would also say so. There's a lot of like, and this is just me personally. I can't say this for other Calvinists, yeah. but there's a lot of turning a blind eye mm. to what you experience in the real world mm. and what your theology says. Yeah. You know, like you, you legit have to like, what's the word, Derek? Like in a sense, like really kind of shut off some things just to make it mm -hmm. work. And I, I did that for a while and I was yeah. tired of it. Something that I don't, this was not recorded. So I don't know if you remember this. Mm. Something that I never forget to this day. Mm. There was an episode that we did where you mentioned like, does God hate people or love people or something like that? I forget the nature of what you asked mm -hmm. towards me. And I was like, of course, God hates the sinner. Oh, and I he, remember this. Yeah, yeah. This and was he, like in a van or something we were talking about. He it. abhors the sinner. No, this was recorded. Oh, it was recorded? Yes. This was actually with oh my your, gosh. one of your best friends from California. Um, is it oh, not? that episode. Oh, my gosh. Yes. yes. And I was regurgitating what I heard from R.C. Sproul. Yeah. Right? Dr. Name drop Sproul. it. Name drop it. <laughs> the... Theologian, the you know, this yeah. is this is big in the reform world, right? Yeah. And I regurgitated what he said. I'm like, clearly this is this is RC Sproul. Like mm -hmm. this is like quoting the Bible. This is gospel, yeah. This is gospel here. So I repeat that from the question that you asked. I forget the exact question, mm. but I was like, of course, like I think I think you asked me something to the effect of. Does God love the sinner and hate the sinner? Something oh, yeah, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, 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 yep. And I was like, he abhors the sinner. And I think I read that, 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 that don't sound orthodox to me, Luke. Yeah, it does, it's definitely <laughs> not orthodox at all. It's like he hates the sinner. Those who, uh, you know, have a hatred for his law, he mm. despises them. I repeated something from R.C. And when I said that, my mouth felt so dirty. I remember it it's felt coming back so to me disgusting now. coming out of my uh -huh. mouth. And I said, like, I didn't care what, at that point, I didn't care what R.C. Sproul or what Vodi Bakum or whoever. I don't care what these reform scholars say. Mm -hmm. That's It just sounded wrong to me. And I said, Derek, delete that. Yep. Well, and that interesting thing about- I asked you to delete you, it. Yep, you did. That was the first time. <laughs> and you know, that's the interesting thing about religion um, that- you have to be careful of, especially if you have a very religious impulse is right. just taking things that people say and just downloading it and saying, yeah, that's it. Right. And I think what both you and I were doing through Life in the Gray was moving away from doing that. I think both you and I had realized that we were doing that and we didn't want to anymore. I appreciate you sharing the honesty of that moment. I had tons of moments like that too, where I peated a bunch of garbage that I don't stand for anymore. Right. You know, because I think you recognize that that's not what I actually think. 
Right. I was like, God loves, the, God loves the world. But you put these people up on a pedestal right. that you're like, oh, yeah. No, I think they got that one wrong. Right. Yeah. So it's fascinating because we both were in that Reformed Calvinist like way of thinking for so long. And you, when you get sucked into that, you just kind of get the names of the people that are quote unquote right. Hmm. And you just got to read their books, listen to their read sermons. Read their books, go right? to their conferences every year. Yeah. <laughs> even though they believe in sola scriptura. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So other books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's another conference on predestination. Yeah, that's right. Why Man, God's sending people to hell? Oh man, <laughs> I, the fourth predestination conference this month, this decade. Like, <sighs> sheesh. Gosh, yeah. Just tell me to read Romans nine. <laughs> Just tell me to read Romans nine. No, I say don't read Romans nine because you're going to misinterpret it. <laughs> Go to the church fathers if you need some help with Romans nine because those guys ain't gonna help. Sorry, I probably sound so disrespectful. You said those guys ain't gonna help. <laughs> I said what? Consensus. Um, anyways, but all this leads to how we ended life in the gray. We had lots of guests that came on, but. Hands down, the episode that got the most downloads hmm. was our second to last. And that was, am I still a Christian? It got the most downloads. That, yeah, that got the most downloads wow. by, the, by the time it was all said and done. Hmm. That was one that people really paid attention to. Um, Nosy. And for they want that tea. They want the tea. That's right. And we brought it because <laughs> that episode, we recorded that December 31st, 2020, and it got released like April 2021. So we're almost at the end, huh? Yeah, this is the end here. Wow. And um, this is where we kind of see and we start vocalizing where the journey was heading. Wow. So I'm going to play a clip from some things that you said, Lou. Uh, on this episode. Let's hear it. I guess where I'm at right now, this, you know, December 31st, uh, 2020. Mm -hmm. um, so by the time that this episode drops, you know, I may be, um, I may be Orthodox or not. I don't, you know, I don't know. Technically, I can't claim to be that. Yeah. But, um, but where I'm at is, Derek, is I'm heavily leaning towards Eastern Orthodoxy. Um, you know, I've... <laughs> I'm nodding my head. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just looking like yeah, you're, sh you're yeah. But man, that's that's where I'm at. Um, I was studying the Eucharist. Um, mm -hmm. Now I've I've had some like I've always been fascinated with history. Yeah, right? and um, mm -hmm. anytime I used to preach at my church or anything like that, like. I would always dig as far as I could go. Yeah. You know I'm saying? Like some people ask me, hey, how do you get some of that historical context and, and some other things? Like like yeah. some stuff yeah. is not all boxed in neatly. Right, right. Um, that you could just, you know, systematize and put in a box. Like, you know, here in the West, we have every, you know, systematic theology, Neat everything. Categories. You, yeah, you, mm -hmm. could, you could pull it off a shelf. But it wasn't so... Um, it wasn't so so cut up and 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 nice for me, yeah. Um, in that Eastern tradition, but yet it was still like it was beautiful and it was understandable. Mm -hmm. um, and even the way that they talked about Christ and you could see the love and the reverence, mm -hmm. it's just different. But anyways, fast forward, um, leading a 
a, a life group at my church and we started practicing communion or the Eucharist, yeah. you know, the Lord's Supper. Looking at the history, seeing what the early church fathers had to say about mm-hmm. it. And to see that they saw it, they saw it as more than a symbol. Like, right. To your point, I could not conceive that they thought it to be this way. But mm-hmm. then I had a decision to make. Was it, you know, do I hold to what they, these first Christians um, believed or, or do I hold to uh, the Protestant movement? But yeah, man. So long story short, um, that kind of, in a way, led me to the Eastern Orthodox Church. And yeah. all these guys that um, were before us, Tertullian, you know, mm-hmm. Gus, and you name it, I'm just like, man, like they have an unbroken continuity. They have a history. They have a rich history. And it doesn't just start in the 1600s. Mm-hmm. And long story short, that that's the beginning of a long journey of study for me. Well, not so much Tertullian. Uh, <laughs> I don't really read much of him these days. But, uh, but man, um, man, I was wet behind the ear back then. Um <laughs> I was a puppy. Um, well, there's one thing you said at the end there that this was a long beginning of a long journey of study for me. Right. I question if that is true though. Hmm. I feel like you've always been on this long journey of study, even since Life in the Gray was started. I just think this is where it brought you. Right, right. No, that's a good point, Derek. I mean, there's something that I said there. So I, you know, when I used to preach at my old church. Some mm-hmm. people would ask me, like, hey, where'd you kind of get whatever from? Yeah. And I was always a digger. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you knew it. Like, when yep. I came, oh, when yeah. I come to your house. It's one of the things I most love, the love first, about you. The first pit stop I would make is to your, your bookshelf. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I didn't do it today, but back in the day, you know, oh, what, what's up here today? Like, yep. what you got now? Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of cooled off a little bit with that. Um because I, I don't have as many no, orthodox books. No, that's not <laughs> He's like, all this Protestant crap. Get it out. Get it out. No, no. What am got, I going to purge from no, the shelf? You got what some, orthodox I, books do I need to add <laughs> to his library? He's got Augustine yo, up here. Yo, He's I got some church fathers, but he don't have enough, y'all. <laughs> I promise I didn't mean it like that. Yo, you got some good reads. Huh? <laughs> no, you got Augustine. You got I purged all my reform CS stuff, Lewis. okay? I see um, N.T. right over here. Yeah. Bro, I'm... <laughs> No, I literally, you know, I, the kids, we went straight to lunch and things like that. So yeah. that that's the reason I didn't make that pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's funny. Um, okay, but uh, what was I even saying? I, I, for, I forgot. Yeah, um, the digging. The digging. Um, it's just It's just always been something that, I don't know, I've always wanted to get to the root of things. And I think... In a lot of ways, Eastern Orthodoxy helped me find a root, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, a rock yeah. that's not, not shifting sand, something that, that it's, it's there and you could kind of look at its progression throughout the centuries and see the beauty of it uh, throughout that, the centuries and that, some of the messiness. That's the narrative there. Right. That's it. Yeah. You know, the way that you articulated that, you were searching for mm. that root. Right, right. And you were in a circle at the time where you thought you had found it. And then you did more digging and you realized it went deeper. Right. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, maybe that some of that criticism I had, 
It's because I felt like, man, where where is the Rue? Mm. Like, like you were talking about earlier with the Reformation being overrated. Mm-hmm. We talked about, you know, even Calvinism. Like, where where was the root of that? Like, yeah. where where is Calvinism in the fourth century? Mm. Who's who's articulating now? People, you know, Calvinists are like, oh, that's anachronistic, right? But uh, yeah. That's that's not the point. Like, where's the seed? If it's if it's apostolic, where's the seeds of it? Mm-hmm. Show me it. May, mm-hmm. Maybe it's not articulated in the same way as the reformers, but I need to see the. Yeah. I need to see tulips somewhere in the second, third, fourth, fifth, yeah. sixth, seventh, eighth. Continue on. I need to see them in these centuries. Yeah, you know, and and I just personally, it just didn't sit well with me for the for that kind of innovation. Yeah, you know. And speaking of messiness, man, was my journey at the end. Woo. Hmm. Christian humanism. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's where it led you, huh? That's talk, where it led me, yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's play. I'll actually, um, let me play a little clip here uh, from that time to the episode that got me in more trouble than any other episode, mm. bar none. You did get a lot of heat for that. I sure did. But you get to this point, you know, when you've been a Christian for a while, mm-hmm. and I mean a good while. And you realize that you've just been absorbing things. Mm. You've absorbed a lot of beliefs and you didn't necessarily take the time to think through if you actually believe those things or not, right? Mm. When you listen in a Christian bubble, Christian subculture, right? That's where I work. That's where we work. What if I've wasted it? Like, what if I'm in the wrong boat here, so to speak, of belief? What if I've given my life to something that's wrong or false? Mm. And and I started to realize like, well, are these thoughts actually my own or have I taken on the thoughts of other people? You know, you know what I mean? And so I started to realize I had an identity crisis. I was like, who am I? Have I just absorbed all these things for the last 14 years? Mm -hmm. Because people have said, well, you're a Christian. This is what you have to believe. But is that actually what I believed, you know? Mm. And so I started to flirt with secular humanism Mm. and in not being a Christian. When you want to become sure of something you believe in, what do other Christians do? They give you books that are going to make you more certain of what you already, already believe in or what to. you're trying to believe in, right? Yeah. So you could read Lee Strobel's Case for Christ and all you want and and then be like, yep, this is definitely what I believe. But I realized I had spent 14 years reading books that were just confirmation bias. Yes. Just books that were just like, well, this is what I want to read because this is what I want to believe. I'm not actually after the truth. Yeah. And I know that's going to sound harsh, but I realized I'm not actually after, I'm after what I want to believe. You know what I mean? Wow. It's where I think I land now. Okay. Which is being a Christian humanist. Maybe we shouldn't be so dependent on God to fix all our problems, but but I'm also not going the secular humanist route where I think we're it's all humans and it's up to us. Maybe there's a synergy and a partnership here. Maybe God is a little more different than we think, and maybe God is working in and through us um, to be the blessing. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. So trippy hearing all this stuff again. Yeah. That <laughs> caught the world by a storm it did. when it dropped. It did. Like you had to go to work on eggshells the next day. I went everywhere on eggshells for a while. Man. And like, it's crazy because when that happened, uh huh. I mean, I, 
I was like, yo, guys, Derek's going to be okay. It was like a marathon. I just remember talking to people like nonstop that week. You have a very supportive wife. I have a very supportive wife, very supportive friends, a lot of very supportive people like you. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, because I remember um, even like early on when you're like, it wasn't like fully understood what, what, what that was all about. Yeah. Like, your wife was still by your side. Yeah. You know, she, she was a little concerned at first, you know, mm-hmm. as you probably knew, mm-hmm. but she knew everything was going to be okay. She told me, check on him. And mm-hmm. probably wouldn't take that back after I became Orthodox. Like, uh, <laughs> never mind. We don't want you checking on him. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, but no, she, she was supportive. Your, you know, even your your close friends. We we knew you'd be. We even I think we had a follow up episode just talking we about did. like we everyone did. that was concerned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like guys, like like what is the judgment day going to be about? Yeah, you know? I think that was yeah, and I think it was just being open about the journey, right? And there were definitely things that I would have changed how we would have gone about all that, but I don't like regret that it unfolded that way. Uh, I shared a lot about this on my deconstruction episode, but I do think that that was a huge learning moment in life. Right. You know, in a lot of ways. And so releasing, (laughs) I tell people this all the time, releasing that podcast episode, whether it was right or wrong to do in the way that it was done. um, It wasn't wrong. Right. But there were things around it that I didn't do well and that I should have done better in communicating to people close to me. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, so there were things about how it all came about and there were things I didn't do well. But Tell me off air. Yeah. But at the <laughs> same time, I felt free. That's what it was. I, it was really, and I still to this day feel freedom. that freedom. Like I feel like I can speak my mind about what I actually think and feel about something. Now, I mean, it did work out that like this whole path of, because a lot look of Look what it birthed, it birthed the business, man. Well, the business, it's so funny how the business was going, like the ideas of it. Bubble. Yeah, they were coming out, right? But I think part of this was that I was I was done being in the Christian bubble. I was done working at the Christian or like, right? I think that was the big push I needed to kind of be like, I want to be out in the world interacting with people, you know? <laughs> it's so funny. Like, it's crazy because like usually like there's some people in the outside world like, oh, I just want to be, you know, I just want to be in a place where it's I can the opposite, re- right? read my Bible, go to the little Christian yeah. coffee shop and my like you have people in, in there in that space, like, get me out, this toxic. You know, yeah. and obviously not everybody feels that way. But. Yeah, no, it's it's really trippy to look back on. Um, I do get asked every once in a while if I still, uh, what the Christian humanist label like really is to me. And I'm like, it's very helpful to understand <clears throat> how I see faith, yeah. but it's not a label that I really use. Even like, so I have, so to bring this like. What label would you so yeah, so I knew resonate with? That's what you were going to ask, right? Yeah. The work I do with all things narrative, there's like three questions I get asked most frequently. One of those top three questions I get asked by potential clients or people who are interested in my business is, okay, so 
is this spiritual at all? Is this religious? Are you religious in any way? Top three questions I get asked. <laughs> and I answer the same way every time. Right. I say up front. So my background that I identify with Christ, I say that I, I come up front and I just try to be honest. Like, yeah, like my background, my beliefs, like I, I am a Christian. But I also distinguish that like, I want you to be aware of that. But I want you to know that when we meet, it's not about me. I'm interested in you, where you're at, right? Like this isn't like a ministry, I think. And I even have conversations with clients about the label, right? Because I do work with clients who were Christians at one point and aren't anymore. And there's assumptions that they can make with the label, right? So I do have those conversations if needed, just about, you know, well, are you like a MAGA Christian? Like what, what kind of, what do you mean when you say Christian, right? Sometimes Eastern Orthodox would make my life a lot easier because then people would be like, what is that? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I, maybe that's how I get in. Is he Jewish? Um, well, that's the other thing too, right? Is I have to try to explain to people like, well, like I also like have this like Jewishness about me, like ethnically, but I wasn't raised Jewish and... I, there's a lot of things, I mean, to the, like, there's a lot of things about Jewish thinking and the way you see the world that I really, resonate. really, not only resonate, but just believe, like, that's how I see it, right? And yeah, so that, that's the trippy thing, right, is like having these conversations, um, but just being honest, you know, just being open, like, yeah, like, this is my journey, this is where I'm at, and, you know, when you read a book like Dominion, or there's another great book, Thomas Cahill's books, um, Gift of the Jews and Desire the Everlasting Hills. Yep, right up there on those shelves. Those are books that are written by non-Christian, by secular historians. And those are books that I point to and say like, this is why I'm proud to be a Christian. Like I know, like if you have trauma about the Bible and church and all that stuff, these books explore a rich history of ultimately what Christianity has brought to the world that has helped. It's brought a lot of harm, but it's also brought a lot of good and same with Judaism. And so that's why I point to those uh, and other things as well. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. Wow. Wow. So man, we've taken this trip down memory lane. We really did. We got you know? there. From um, the start to the finish. Yeah. Man. So I, I like to tell people that I, I, I was like, I'll say I'm raised by ex-Catholics, ethnically Jewish, but not raised in it. Uh, one of my best friends is Eastern Orthodox. I've been in both conservative and liberal church circles, thought about being, you know, a secular humanist. So it's like the ways I can relate to people because of the journey, because of the experiences, right? And make it worth it. Yeah, which is really good for the work that you're doing that you can yeah. relate to so many people. Absolutely. And I'm um, thankful to God for all of it. That's awesome. So yeah, this has been Life in the Gray. This has been uh, the wow. reflection here. So any final thoughts on just this journey? Yeah, any fi final thoughts, man. Man, I, I appreciate you. Thank you uh, for not only getting me on the pod, man, but just, just the journey as I got to think through the years, man. We had some really great memories Still creating memories. We are. Yeah, absolutely. You know? and, I love uh, when our families hang out together. And yeah. So grateful, man. Like, it, it's crazy how years ago, like, 
even from you being at my wedding to like when the first day we met at work and the road trips. Let's not forget the road trips road we took trips, together too. Yeah, to oh my gosh, we recorded yeah, recorded episodes doing road on trips on the road. How do you on record the on the road? Right. We had the handheld mic. Oh man, those were awesome. That Good was days, so much man. fun doing all that. I appreciate you, man, and I'm I'm very proud of you. I've always I've always said this about you, and mm. I I'm not joking when I say this. Mm. You are one of the most creative people I know. Wow. You are you are a creative person and you're you're a genius in a way and life in the gray wouldn't have been what it is without you. So Thanks, man. And yeah, same for you. Man. And neither would have been my movies. My movies wouldn't have been the same without you either. <laughs> you created Derek's created movies. Derek's has done so podcasts. go on a rabbit hunt. I'm not going to tell you where, but if you go on YouTube, you'll see a parody of The Office where Luther is oh my Jim gosh, Halpert. Please don't embarrass And me. you'll I can't see. I can't believe I cut my mustache for that. You cut your mustache. I was for like that. a big fat oompa loompa. <laughs> Filmed the day before the world shut down for COVID. Literally. <laughs> filmed, yep, yep. Filmed the whole thing. And there's another movie out there where Luther is a Thanos-like character. Oh yeah! <laughs> and you were like, I don't want to play the bad guy don't anymore. Worry, they won't. They won't be able to find that. They, oh man, it's out there. The movies we used to make together. You'll <laughs> never find them, but if you do, uh, send us Somewhere an email and say, "Hey, that. we found it." LOL. Oh man. Well, this has been fun. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Luther, thank you so much for being here. Yes, it was so much for being fun, a man. part of this. I hope uh, the listeners are blessed by it. Yeah. Don't forget to check out Luther's podcast one more time. Where can they find it? Oh, yeah. So The Transfigured Life, uh, it's on YouTube. Um, we just started a couple months ago, but when this episode released, probably we've, we've grown a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So yeah, check us out. Observe, even if you're not Orthodox, you're more than welcome. Right. Everyone's invited. It, it should be fun. And since it's November on Saturday, November 18th, we're gonna have another storyteller sessions Woo-hoo. coming up. So you've been out to a couple of those. So yeah. love having you. I want to get you up on stage one time oh. <laughs> to share your story. You know, oh, man. Um, but yeah, so that's I'm gonna still- be coming up. Um, so check out in the show notes details on that as well. And so yeah, we're gonna end this episode by. Um, playing the last bits of the episode we did before we went on hiatus for Life in the Gray because, of course, we got to end this in traditional Life in the Gray fashion where Luther sings something. I sung something? Oh, you sang all the time. I almost did like a montage of all the singing you did. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So anyways. Too bad I can't sing. (laughs) Yep. So anyways, we're going to sign out with Lou singing. So thank you so much. This is... Uh, Life in the Gray reunion with your friendly narrative practitioner, Derek, and of course, my man, my brother, uh, one of my best friends, Luther Menard. Thanks, brother. Take it away, Lou. <laughs> We're an hour in, and I don't want it to end, but we probably should wrap <laughs> But we got to come to the end. Yeah. Although we come. Come on, MT. To the end of, of the, the road. road. Guys, can't, <laughs> I didn't I even know sing. this song before today.